You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. This morning, what I want to do is I just want to share with you the story of how Fellowship Bible Church came into being. And the reason why I want to share with you our origin is because I think it's very important for you all to know the heartbeat of why we started. And I think it's important for us to know our history before we can talk about where we're going in the future. And so I want to talk and I want to share with you a little bit about our story. It'll take about five minutes to do that. And then I want to share with you a word that I believe God has given me to give to you as we move forward. And so, if you will, just I'm going to read this, okay? I thought about just telling it, but it's important, I think, to make sure that I get everything in the right order and don't leave anything out. And so, like I said, this will take about five minutes for me to share it. But this is what I have down. Despite the fact that I grew up in a traditional Southern Baptist home, it wasn't until 10 years ago to this month that God reached into the life of a 20-year-old college-age dropout and saved me. And though I certainly didn't know much at the time, there was one thing that I was certain of, that Jesus had rescued me from the penalty of sin, that he loved me, I loved him, and I wanted others to experience his amazing grace. A couple of weeks after I entered into a relationship with Jesus, I started a college ministry in town that grew quickly enough to grab the attention of a local pastor who took a risk on hiring me for the purpose of investing in college-age students in our city. After three years of fruitful ministry at the First Baptist Church in Paragould, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky to attend seminary. These proved to be formative years in my life where I would grow in a much deeper and personal understanding of the gospel. I would learn about church planting and what it means to be the church that God has called us to be. While living in Louisville, I was a part of Sojourn Community Church, a people that helped me discover that church isn't something you do, it's who we are. God used sojourn to show me that the church is the people of God, saved by the power of God for the purposes of God. And that purpose is to fill the earth with God's glory by making disciples who make disciples. It was in Louisville that I learned that the gospel is not just something that simply transforms our Sunday mornings, but our entire lives. And it was in Louisville that God birthed a desire in my heart to partner with a group of people who would one day plant a church that was committed to planting the life-transforming message of the gospel in the hearts of people who desperately needed good news. This desire to plant a church eventually collided with my burden for the city of Paragould, a place where I grew up, a place that I longed to see a church that was living as a family of missionaries to the city. In 2007, I wrote in my journal that I was certain God was calling me to Paragould to plant a church. But it wouldn't be until four years later that this laughable dream would become a reality. In 2009, I moved back to Paragould where I married my wife, Megan, and went on staff at Grace Baptist Church to serve as associate pastor. After serving at Grace for two years, I sensed that God was now calling me to plant a church that was made up of missional communities. I met with the pastor of Grace and shared with him my desire to pastor a church that would help produce one missional community per thousand people in the city. He gave me his blessing and helped me present this vision to our local church. And nearly eight months later, Grace Baptist Church would lovingly send us out as missionaries to this city alongside three other families, the Moors, the Jacksons, and the Carpenters. So there we were, 11 people in 2011, focused on changing lives in our city for the glory of God. And despite the fact that we had no money or no idea what to expect, we trusted this is what God was calling us to do and therefore believed that he would provide. And sure enough, he's done just that. 
Grace Baptist Church would provide a house for my very pregnant wife and I to live in rent-free for an entire year. We had people come from out of nowhere, it seemed, and give us money. One man donated $12,000 to us just to help us get started. Fellowship Bible Church of Jonesboro took us in as a sister church, helping to equip us and financially support us, even to this day, alongside Christ Community Church in Texas. Equally as amazing, almost immediately God added to our group of 11 people by bringing us the Taylors, the Masons, the Senior Carpenters, the Coley's, Colliers, Glasgow's, the House family. I don't know if I left anybody out. If I did, I apologize. With this small group of people, we started our first missional community under the care of Fellowship Bible Church of Jonesboro. As I went through the church planning residency at Fellowship Jonesboro, our core group began learning together what it means to live as a family of missionaries to this city. We wrestled through what it means to be the church and to make disciples who make disciples. Within nine months, what started with one missional community multiplied into three missional communities. And it was at this point we decided to start gathering our MCs to meet on Sunday morning so we could worship Jesus through singing, preaching, and communion. Because we didn't have a lot of money to pay for a building we could gather in, we turned to God and asked him to provide for our needs. And in his great grace and faithfulness, he connected us with Bobby Wilson. Bobby is the regional manager for Paragold Cinema 8. He heard about our church and contacted us. We didn't contact him. He called us out of the blue and offered us the entire cinema as a gathering place for free until we can afford to pay rent. Within a couple of months of my conversation with Bobby, on September 9, 2012, Fellowship Bible Church held our first Sunday gathering in Cinema 8 and made public to the city that we are a gospel-centered alternative to Bible Belt religion planted here to make the real Jesus non-ignorable in Paragord. So that's our story up until this point. And I share that with you because I hope it stirs your affections towards God as you see what he's done for us in such a short time. I mean, what started with just a vision on paper in 2007 moved to 11 people that wanted to step out in faith in 2011 to now we've counted 74 adults and 49 kids who are actively involved within four missional communities. This video in no way captures what all we could have captured. I mean, we interviewed, I think, a fourth of the people in our church, and it was still 12 minutes and 30 seconds. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the fact that we baptized five adults earlier this year. We're baptizing six more tonight. We didn't even talk about the fact that we have two men that use their own money to start a food bank. That's pretty radical. That the missional community partnered with them, and we fed 240 individuals in our very first month. We didn't get a chance to talk about any of that, about the foster care that one missional community is involved in and meeting the needs of kids who desperately need good news in our city. We didn't get a chance to talk about more marriages that are being restored, parenting that is taking on a gospel-centered approach. I mean, on and on we could go. But I just want to say, like in the time that we have left, like I don't say it enough, but as I stand before you guys, I want you to know, like it seriously is such an honor to be able to be one of your pastors. I, I, it is a great joy. This is one of my greatest joys in my life. And I want you all to know, like, I love each of you individually. I pray for you more than you know. And, and, and I'm excited about the future with you guys. There's no other family I would rather be a part of than this family. Um, and I know for those of you that are not in my missional community, I don't get to see you and interact with you a whole lot. But you can ask your missional community leaders. I ask about you often. I get updates on you. I try to equip them. And you've got incredible missional community leaders that are pastor qualified, who love you, who do cry over you and pray over you. 
And so I just want you to know that today, like, we find great joy. It is not in any way begrudging, but we love being able to shepherd you and watch over you and lead you as we are following Jesus. Each week, many of you are serving in selfless ways. In our city, in your neighborhoods, and even here at the 930, whether it's in children's church, nursery, music, set up and tear down. And I just want you to know, like, as you can see in just a short video, like, your work has not been in vain. Like, you guys, God is using this ordinary group of people to change the city. And I hope you see that. Like, I mean, there's a buzz even outside. I don't know if you know about it, but I called the Paragraph Daily Press the other day just to put an ad in the paper. And they wanted to do a second front page article within two weeks on us because they said there's a great buzz in the city about you guys. And so we just need to put more information out there so people know about Fellowship Bible Church. Like, that's the whole heart of why we planted this. Like, we said when we planted that we want to be a church that lived in such a way that if we disappeared, the city would miss us. And that's beginning to happen by God's grace. And so thank you for your faithfulness. And we all need to say thank you to God for his great grace in using us. We don't deserve to be used by him in any way, shape, or form. And yet he is looking down on Paragold, Arkansas and smiling on a bunch of very ordinary, messed up people and using us to be a part of his work. Amen? Now... I have asked God, and I've prayed, and I've fasted this week, and I've said, look, God, I really just want to, like, I want to give one word to our people as we move forward, as we kind of come to an end of our celebration service here today, and obviously our celebration will continue tonight. I was like, what's one word? What do you want our people to know? If you were here, Jesus, and you were behind us, like, what would you tell the people today as we move forward? So many ideas ran through my mind, but what God kept pulling me back to was my 10 years in following Jesus. And he said, I want you to tell them about the times that you didn't jump into the deep end. That you didn't go all in because you were scared. About the times that I got on the edge of the diving board and I knew God was calling me to something, but it seemed too scary and so I was afraid I might slip or I might look stupid or I might get hurt and so I backed down in disobedience. And then he said, but I also want you to tell them about the times that you jumped off the deep end because you knew I was there. Tell them about the times, remind them of the times that you trusted in my promises. There have been times in my life where I knew God was calling me to hard things, but I believed God when he said, Jared, seek first the kingdom of God and I will provide. I know you've got a pregnant wife. I, don't know you, I know you're not for sure where your salary is going to come from. I know that you don't have a house lined up, but seek first my kingdom and I will provide. And he did. He said, tell them about the times that you went into places that you were scared to go into, and yet you trusted that I am with you, and therefore you can be strong and courageous. Guys, I want you to know, like, there have been times in my life where I have been scared and I have backed down from what God has called me to, and yet there have been times where I took God at His word, here, all of it, and I took risk, and it was in those times that God moved in mighty ways in my life. It was in those moments... I experienced waves of power and grace like I never did when I had my floaties on in the shallow end where it was safe and comfortable. And so the word that God wants me to give to you this morning is this. Stop playing it safe. Some of you are going to waste your life living 
safely and comfortably. Reject that. That life is boring. Jesus wants you to go all in. Some of you, you've been going deep with God, but He wants you to go even deeper. The truth is, we can show up here each week and you can hear messages that convict you and leave unchanged and that is not the win. That is not biblical Christianity. I was reminded of the rich young ruler who went to Jesus in Luke 18 and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I get to heaven? I'm afraid I might go to hell. Not sure. I would really like to know for certain. Like, how can I go to heaven and be with you there for eternity? And Jesus said this. He knew the man's heart. He knew what the man really looked to for joy and peace and satisfaction. What he really built his life on, which was his money. And he said, sell all that you owe and give it away to the poor and then follow me. But the rich man wanted to play it safe. He wanted to stay in the shallow end. I don't know what it is for you, but some of you this morning, you're not giving things up. You're still wanting to stay where it's safe. Maybe it is money. You know what God's calling you to do with your money, and you don't trust Him in your hand to it. Maybe it's relation, something, some sort of relationship that you're in. Maybe it's something with parenting. Maybe it's going and talking to your neighbors. There are things that you're holding on to, and God wants you to walk away from it and go all in and follow Him and trust that there is life. The rich young man did not do this. And in verse 23, it said that because he wanted to play it safe, verse 23 of Luke 18, he walked away sad because he could not walk away from his stuff. Jesus then saw a camel, and I think with a broken heart, he said, God, it's easier for this camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into heaven. And the people heard this, and they said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, hey, well, listen, What's impossible with man is possible with God. And the very next chapter, in chapter 19, I love it. What happens? Jesus is passing through Jericho, and he meets a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, it says, and he was what? Rich. And you know the story. Jesus looks up, and Zacchaeus is in this tree, you know, trying to look over her body, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus goes all in. Zacchaeus says, yes, I want to know all about you, Jesus. And so he follows after him. And there's so much joy in the life of Zacchaeus that he says, I'll give away anything you want me to give away to the poor. And out of everybody that I've stole from, I will restore it fourfold. And what is Jesus' response to Zacchaeus? Today, salvation's come to your house, Zacchaeus. I think God wants us to know this morning there's two types of people in this room. There are some of you who will look at the promises of God in Scripture and you will look at His commands and you'll say, nope, that's too difficult. And you will live a sad, pitiful, boring life. And there are others of you in here who are going to look at the promises of God and the commands like Zacchaeus, and you're going to say, I'm all in. Show me where to sign. Here's my money. Here's my schedule. Here's my talents. Use it all, Jesus. And I promise you, it is those of you who will experience a joy and the adventure of a lifetime.
For those of you who are still trying to play it safe, you don't understand that actually in the shallow end it's not safe at all. And you haven't seen God as who he really is. I mean, I was thinking about, thinking about Isaiah 6. Isaiah's a prophet, the greatest, one of the greatest prophets to ever live. He's way more holier than we are. And what happens? He sees God, and he sees him, and these angels are sitting there, and they're covering their faces, and they're going, holy, holy, holy. And, and Isaiah sees God, and what is his first response? He doesn't be like, oh, cool, there's God. That's pretty neat. No, he says, uh, I'm dead. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm de- like, I am going to die. Isaiah 6, I am ruined. I am so sinful. You are so holy. I'm so small. You are so big. Like, I am, I, I'm not going to make it, am I? It's one of the greatest prophets to ever live. And God says, I'm not going to kill you. I want to use you. And what does Isaiah do? When he's seen God for who he really is, he doesn't go, eh, let me kind of weigh my options. Let me look at my retirement fund. Let me look at my career. I've got a good career going. Let me look at my family and talk to them first. He says, here I am. Send me. Wherever you want to go. I'll like, if you're not going to kill me, like, thank you. I will do whatever you want me to do. That's what happens when we meet the real God. You die. To, you don't even look at yourself anymore. You look at him. Job, same way. Job's the most righteous man to ever live. At this point in history in the Old Testament, he goes through some suffering. He questions God. God begins to speak to Job, and Job says, Before I've heard about you, but now I see you. And what does Job say in response? I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to sit down and listen. Like, you just tell me what you want. Because that's the proper response when you meet the God of the Bible. My question is, do you know this God? Have you met this God? Or is it possible that maybe you've just heard of him? Are you really trusting his promises, fellowship? Are you acting on his commands? When you do, and I can testify to this for my own life, amazing things will happen. Listen, you've got to hear this. Some of you this morning, I know because I talked to you, you say, I don't feel the presence of God. Anybody there this morning, not to raise your hand, but even as we sing and as you go throughout your life, Is it true of you that God feels like a million miles away? If that's true of you, let me ask you this question this morning. Are you making disciples? Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, there I am with you always. Where is Jesus with you? On the mission field. When you need him most. The whole reason the Holy Spirit's given to us is what? To catalyze us for mission. The very presence of God will take residence in you and fill you up, but only whenever Acts 1-8 says, when you move forward to be his witnesses. If you don't feel the presence of God right now, if you're bored in your life with God, the question that you need to answer is this. Are you making disciples? Who is your disciples? Are you being witnesses? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you? Some of you, you show up here each week where it's safe and it's comfortable and you think, man, why don't I feel the presence of God? I'm not saying you can't feel God's presence here. 
But if you look in Scripture, the people that knew God's presence more than anybody else were those who were in desperate situations, those who were on mission. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where did they experience God the most? In the fire. You want to know God's presence. You want to experience Him in amazing ways. You can't hold back. We must go all in. We must be known as risk takers. Guys, I love Jesus. I love His mission. I love this church. And my charge to you that I believe God is calling you to right now is this, to go all in. Some of you are straddling the fence. Some of you know the Word of God and you are a hearer, not a doer, which means it is possible that you are not even a Christian. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Do not get lost in the crowd of normal American middle-class Christianity. Trust God and His promises. Will that be risky at times? Yes. Will it be difficult at times? Yes. Will it expose your weaknesses at times? Absolutely. But you would rather die surging ahead than drown in a crowded kiddie pool of apathy. I promise you. May we go deeper with God than we ever have before. May we trust Him at His Word and watch Him, watch Him prove over and over and over and over again that He is bigger and more beautiful than you ever thought was possible. Our God is able and He is willing to use you in ways that you could never imagine. Trust that, guys. We are a part of something, I believe, on the front of something so big that we don't understand how big it is. I really believe that. But we must stay humble before God and just say, what would you have of your servant? Here I am, send me. Will you do that? Here I am, send me. The truth is, you will never want to live as a sent one if you do not really believe in your heart that Jesus was sent for you and that you don't deserve for him to come and lay down his life for you. We... We're desperate before God. We were enemies before Him. We were broken. We were dead in our sins. God could have left us there and still been good, right, perfect, holy. He didn't owe us any favors, and yet He sent His own Son to go all in for us. He came and He lived a perfect life that none of us could live. Anybody in here live a perfect life this week? Not me. I didn't love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, and soul. I didn't love my neighbor as myself. I lusted after things, I was greedy about things, deceitful about things, didn't treat my wife perfectly. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We deserve hell. We deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus came and lived a perfect life we could never live. And then he went as a perfect sacrifice to the cross where God poured out his wrath on him so that now, rather than us receiving the wrath of God, we can receive his perfect, infinite, unconditional love for all time. We get to be treated every second of every day as Jesus deserves to be treated. God, if you're in Christ, guess what? He's not disappointed in you. No matter what you did this week, He's not angry with you. He delights, He rejoices, He sings over you because He sees the righteousness of Christ that you are now clothed in. So we come and we celebrate communion through that. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a Christian and you come, partake of this this week. As you come, just be reminded and just maybe confess, maybe some of you, you are not living on mission. You are not making disciples. Don't walk out of here in guilt. Don't walk out of here in shame. Know that Jesus was the perfect disciple on your behalf and let his love control you as it did Paul to send you out and go share others, share with others about his love. 
Some of you in here need to become Christians today. Some of you are playing a game. Stop straddling the fence. Don't live a wasted life, a sad, boring, pitiful life. Get out of the shallow end. And I want to encourage you, no matter how scary it may seem, go all in today. Trust Jesus. If you were here and you were not a Christian, we don't close really any doors to you here, but communion, I just want you to know, like, it's a waste of time for you. It's just bread and juice. Where you are, go to Jesus. I'll say, I want to go all in. I'm tired of playing the game. I want to lay everything at your feet right now. I want to trust that you know better than I do. And if that is where you are today for the first time, you want to go all in, talk to someone you came with, talk to me or one of the other pastors, talk to Luke, one of the missional community leaders you're part of. It doesn't matter. Maybe some of you will do that today, and you've been in church your whole life. You've been religious, but you have not had a relationship with Christ. If that happens, man, we want to meet with you. We want to celebrate. We'll baptize you tonight, man. Don't hold back. Don't leave here an enemy of God, too cool for Jesus, too afraid to tell others about Jesus, too smart for Jesus, too good for Jesus, too busy for Jesus. Lay everything at his feet. Let's stand together and we're going to partake of communion. Let's pray together. And then after we pray, you for those of you that are visitors for the first time, you're more than welcome if you are a child of God to come and partake of communion with us. Just file out to your left, and then you can come down here to your right. Uh, you tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then you can file back up this way to your, your seats. Let's pray. Father, we need a much bigger picture of you. There are some people here that even today might draw their last breath on earth and stand before you and they need to know what they're about to stand before. You are not a small, weak, puny God who is desperate for our friendships, who is willing to just look over our sins. There are some in here, your wrath rests on them because you are a holy, just God. And if your wrath remains on them, it's because they choose not to go and give everything to Jesus, to submit to Him as Lord. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you will give them a huge picture of who you really are. I pray that like Isaiah, they will see that they are unclean, that they are not good enough. But the good news is they don't have to be good enough. Thank you, Father, that none of us have to be good enough, that Jesus was perfect on our behalf. Help those who are in here, maybe who are trying to earn your righteousness or just be better or pull themselves up to stop and just surrender and to trust you. Thank you for the work that you have done for us and in us. We want to continue to be used by you for your glory. We want to make your name great in this city. So please take these ordinary people. Continue to fill us with your spirit with great joy and great passion and great excitement to be celebratory people who can't help but talk about you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.